children were turning towards Jesus. Scripture tells us that there was a small boy that in this spiritual meeting had five loaves of bread and two fishes. His parents were not carrying these loaves of bread nor fishes. Neither were the adults in the meeting carrying food because when Jesus asked about if there is any food in the meeting, nobody was able to come forth except that which was in the hands of the boy and the forty dollars that Philip made mention of. But if Jesus was to multiply the money where they are, it will be of no essence because they are in the wilderness. If the money is being multiplied, there is nothing they can they can buy. But then, what else can be multiplied for the people to be able to eat? And it was what was in the hands of this small boy. Now I want you to get this. Before the boy left home, there was an impression upon his heart to take food along to a spiritual meeting. It is as though we are having this spiritual meeting apocalypse. And as you are coming, God spoke to you to do something. Or God told you to carry food along, not for your children, but for yourself. And you are saying that we are coming for service and we are fasting. If we close, I can buy it somewhere. But the guy did not listen to that any other voice, but he listened to the impression of one his heart and he carried food. We do not know whether he carried ten loaves and he ate some and it was left five. But what we are told is that at the end of the day, this boy was wiser and obedient enough to go by the impression he had within his heart and took up loaves of bread and fishes and journeyed to a spiritual meeting. And by that obedience, the boy had from the house, or that obedience that he desired to go by from the house, upon getting to the meeting, that obedience was a proof of his faith. That obedience was an evidence of his faith. That that obedience that he did was able to feed more than 5,000 people. That obedience from the house, not at the meeting, from the house, was able to feed more than 5,000 people. Not only that, he also returned back to the house from where he took the loaves of bread and the fishes from. He went back to that same house, now carrying 12 baskets. 12 baskets. One of the issues is that we do not prepare ourselves from the house. And even when we prepare ourselves from the house, we do not obey what God tells us from the house. So even before you journey to a meeting or you journey to the four lines beyond the natural or you even journey to church, there is an impression God places upon your heart. There is something God tells you to do. The Lord will begin to tell you you are, you are late. Hurry up. But you will not even listen to it. That obedience. The Lord will tell you, change that money so you can be able to give the offering well. You did not obey. The Lord told you, wear this dress. But you said, this dress, I don't feel comfortable in it today. So let me wear it different. Maybe next week I'll use that dress. But there was an impression upon your heart to do something and by that obedience will bring some level of evidence in your life. I am saying this because the evidence of our faith is seen in our obedience. And one of God, it is our month of the evidence of faith. It is our month of the evidence of faith. As I was teaching last week, I was saying that the evidence of our love, one of it is to be able to pay our debt of love. Two, to be able to get rid of uncleanness. And so, there are evidences of love and there are evidences of faith. And number three of the evidence of love is to trust. Because without love, there is no trust. And when there is trust, we know there is love. I'll be okay. Now, the evidence of our faith is seen in our obedience. If you tell me you obey God, if you tell me you have faith, then I must see it in your obedience. For instance, Pastor Paul, we are having a meeting and there are protocols in this apocalypse service. So God now tells you, Pastor Paul, go lay hands on Mr. Emma at the back. You will say, Papa, how will the meeting be? How will it be like? I'm breaking protocol. It may seem this way, it may seem that way. And in that meeting, you realize, even though God has spoken to you to do something, 
because of the protocols of the meeting, you are unable to stand up and do what you must do for Mr. Emma. Because at that moment, that oil is upon you to be able to bring up that solution under the grace in the ministry. But because of the protocol in the meeting, you are unable to do what you are doing. And you delayed in doing it, and then you decided to do it after church, when you don't have to break protocol, when you don't seemingly have to be disrespectful. But in doing so, what you do will not even have any effect because at the moment where you were supposed to do it and at a curious moment, you did not do it. And so that delayed obedience became disobedience unto you. And so there are many impressions upon our hearts. Sometimes ministrations can be going on and you are led to come and put a seat upon the altar. But then you are looking at how people will see you and you are saying that, okay, let me add it to my money to give it as offering. But regardless of who is looking at you, regardless of what people think, that doesn't matter. What matters is you are obeying the impressions God places upon your heart and you act upon it to receive an evidence of faith. If I say I have faith, then I must be able to obey. The, the, the evidence of my faith is to be able to obey by partnering with God. Because what God wants to do in this meeting, if I do not obey God, what God wants to do, He may not be able to do it, even though He is God. So many people who are unable to receive from the meeting is also because they do not really obey God or obey the impressions God places upon their heart. We are in a spiritual meeting and spirit ministration is going on. We are being told to hack somebody, pray for somebody. But you decide to hold the person. And you say, get somebody and pray for the person. You decide not to pray for somebody. All those things, even though you may think are for the blessing of the person, but you don't know that it has a ripple effect to bless you as well. Just as Job prayed for his friends and everything was restored unto him. So whatever impressions we receive in the meeting, whatever thing we have in the meeting that God speaks to us, we must be able to go ahead with it. The book of John, the chapter 2, the verse 1 down, was scripture tells us that a time came when there was a feast where Mary, the mother of Jesus, seemed to be the event planner or the organizer because when the drink was finished, it was her that was going around to go and check what things have been done and what has not been done, what is available and what is not available. It's like the program is upon the head of Mary's, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, because the husband was a carpenter and we never know the training that Mary was involved in. All we knew is as though she's a, 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 a housewife. However, we see that she was an event organizer. She was a program coordinator or program organizer. And so in that particular meeting where the drink got finished, she went straight to her father and the son in the flesh. Listen to this. When the drink got finished in the meeting, she went to her father and her son in the flesh. And she went to pray to her father and said, in this meeting, I am the event organizer. The drinks are finished. I cannot be put to shame. What is prayer? Being able to communicate with God and God communicating back to you. And so speaking to Jesus, who he says that um, no one goes to the Father except through me, he, she was speaking to the Father, even though biologically or physically, Jesus also proposed to be her son. But at that moment, she understood the fact that Scripture tells us, Jesus said, that even on this earth that your parents are wicked, as Jesus said, that even though you ask them for bread, they will not give you stone. You ask them for fish, they will not give you a serpent. How much more me, your heavenly father? Will you ask me of bread and I will give you stone? And so Mary understood this principle and went to her father spiritually and said to her father, there is a lot of drink in this gathering. And if nothing is being done, I will be put to shame. I, your daughter, will be put to shame. And I, your mother, will also be put to shame. And then after Mary praying, listen to what Mary did. Mary left Jesus. And then she turned her face to the servant. And she said, whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. Mary could have spoken to Jesus and had left. But she understands that prayer alone is not enough. She understands that receiving a prophecy alone is not enough. She understands that receiving just a word is not enough. There is an instruction, there is a partnership, there is something you must obey to make that prayer fulfilled. There is something you must obey to make that prophecy come to pass. 
And so Mary said unto the servant, whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. Mary could have said, after I have prayed to Jesus, that is all. There, was, there are answers, or that there is going to be um, drinks in the meeting now. But she said to the servant, and said, whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. Whatsoever instructions he gives you, obey the instructions. Some of us don't obey the instructions. Lift up your hands, and your hands are like this. We don't obey instructions. Give the Lord a shout, and you are quiet. But in that meeting, everything you do in the meeting are being recorded, remember? Everything you do in the meeting is being recorded to also bring you a release. But then we do not participate in the meeting to bring our evidence of faith. And so we end the meeting and people can come to you and say, Bishop, you did not prophesy to me. So now that with all that went on in the meeting, with how God moved in the 31st night, there were certain people that came to me and said, Bishop, you did not mention my name, Bishop, you did not prophesy to me. Is there any word for me? And I asked a question that with all that happened at the 31st night, with all the word that came forth at the 31st night, because some people were mentioned one to one to and something was done, you are also expecting your name to be mentioned. With all the prophetic word that came that said we are going to have 12 quality of life, you did not receive any of them, you were waiting for Bishop to mention your name before you know that you are blessed. Before you know that you have received a prophetic word, the prophetic word doesn't only come as an individual to you, it comes also corporately to all of us. And so, whilst we are waiting for the man of God to come to, to, to speak our name or to give us a particular word, maybe it may not come in that way. Maybe that day, God has decided not to move in that way. God has decided to move corporately. And then you decide to go solo. No, no. We must cooperate. Now Jesus said, he said, he said to the, the servant, gather unto me jars, gather unto me barrels, bring them unto me. Don't bring them empty. Now begin to fill the barrels with water. The responsibility of Jesus is to turn the water to wine. It is our responsibility to bring the jars together. It is our responsibility to fill the jars up. But it is only the responsibility of Jesus to turn that water into wine in the jar. It is not the responsibility of Jesus to bring the jar. So we have a role to play. It is a partnership event, so we have a role to play. And our role is to bring the people together. And our role, for, us, for instance, for the choir, it is their role to gather together as one. It is their role to rehearse. They want to minister with fire. They want to minister with the power of God. And God says, no, you wait, pray. Clean the temple, fast and pray 40 days. Clean the temple and prepare the temple for me. For the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Prepare it for me. And now come as one. As you come as one. Now rehearse, prepare yourself, prepare the skills. And go and minister. On the day when you stand upon that place to minister, on the day you hold that microphone to minister, the fire will come. It is our duty to prepare and it is God's duty to bring the fire. Are we okay? It is a partnership. So if the choir doesn't rehearse, if the choir doesn't prepare themselves, how would the fire be able to come down? And so they may be able to minister with no fire. And not because God was not in a meeting. There was something they did not need to partner with God. There is something the protocol must do. There is something the temple builders must do. There is something the royal ladies must do. There is something that the news department must do. But for God to be able to move, there is a need for them to partner. But then we do not partner with God. And yet we are expecting the move of God. Are we here? So for instance, the man of God is coming. I call and say, Pastor Paul, I'm coming. Most like calling. So I said, I'm coming. <laughs> so I say, I'm coming on my way. Get everything prepared before I get there. Then we get there, they are now coming out. Preparation. So then before I even enter the meeting, regardless of how prepared I am, my mood now is being affected by what I meet at the door. Are we okay? Because now, so being able to flow freely, there is there is going to be an, an, an emotional blockage somewhere because of what you meet at the door. And so there is a need for us to partner. If God is going to move, if God is going to do something in your life, what is your participation? How are you partnering with God to bring that prophecy to pass? How are you preparing yourself to bring that prophecy to pass? We are asking God for evidence. 
and we are praying for 40 days, 40 nights. We are fasting. And some people are not fasting. Some people are not praying. And yet on that day, they will ask for evidence. When there was supposed to be a participation before that day, and they will ask, we prayed that day, we gave everything we had to give, but we received nothing. No! There was something that you must do before you receive what you must receive on that day. What is your participation? They have to gather the jars. It is our duty to invite the people to come. It is our duty to make sure that people are being preserved and they are filled up. Their minds are prepared. What I am doing right now is to fill the jar with water. What I am doing now is to fill your, you as a vessel with water. Then it is the duty of God to meet you on the 16th, on the 15th, 16th, 18th of February and to now begin to take that water in your life into wine. Oh, I thought you see an amen. It's the duty of God to turn that water into wine. My duty is to pour the water in you. For Paul planted, Apollos watered, and then God caused the increase. So as we began, Pastor Paul began to plant a word inside you, and he began to ask a question. And then I come up and I'm wondering what Pastor Paul began to ask. After I am done on that day, God is the one who's going to cause the increase, not me. Are we okay here? So there must be a participation, there must be an obedience. So if I obey God, if I believe God and God has turned water into wine, then I must be able to obey to bring the jars. I must be able to obey to fill the jars up, knowing that even though I have placed it here, it is the duty of God to turn it into wine. Are we okay? For me, if I fill this barrel or this vessel with water, I don't concern myself about whether it's going to turn to wine or not. What I'm concerned about is get the barrel available, get the water into it, leave it for Jesus. Are we okay? So when you see me, I hold water, I say, Father, this water loses its natural element, let it turn into your blood, let it turn into wine. It's not my duty. Me, I'm getting the bottle available. The water is already inside. Jesus, cause it to turn into wine. Not me. It is his duty. And I must make sure that I check all the boxes before I request for what I'm requesting for. So I can receive the answers I want to receive. So I can receive the evidence I want to have. So what is the evidence of my faith? The evidence of my faith is that I obey. Before I get what I want at the 40 days, uh, the end of the 40 days, I must have obeyed. What are we obeying? Is this share fly for even people to even complain this year? They say if you invite somebody, you don't even invite. They say prepare yourself, you don't even prepare. How do you expect God to move? We are supposed to fast and pray, connect our body, get our minds prepared, get our faith. What we are doing for these 40 days is to build up our faith to receive. Because it is a night beyond the natural. We are going to receive things beyond the natural. And if we are going to receive things beyond the natural, our faith must be built up. But you are coming to the meeting without even fasting and praying. You are coming to the meeting without even joining us corporately to even pray. And as you are in the meeting, you are unable to receive. And you want to blame God. Your heart is not prepared. Your temple is not prepared. And so when you are asking God for something, you must be ready to do what he will tell you to do. Before you go to the man of God to ask for a prophetic word, you must be ready to do what he tells you to do. If you have the mind of your own, don't go. If you have a mind of your own, don't go to God. Because sometimes God may not tell you what you want to hear. Sometimes God may not tell you to do what you want to do. Tells you to do, do it. Jesus, there is there, there is a lack of drink in the meeting. And you, because your mother is the organizer, you are telling us to bring jar barrels. Those days, the barrels were even used to wash hands. That those barrels are placed at the entrance, like the Chinese movies. You will see barrels at the entrance, and those water, when someone is coming in, they can use the water to wash their hands or to wash their feet. That was what it was used for in the holy days. So that, that thing is not an honorable vessel. And you want us to bring it and throw the water inside. To give wine to this guest, the servant will have questioned it. What are you talking about, man of God? But the man said, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And when they did it, by that obedience, they saw the evidence. Now, watch it. The abundance of the wine in the meeting is not dependent on God. The abundance of the wine in the meeting is dependent on the number of jars that they brought that were filled with water. Oh, are we okay? The abundance of wine, if they are going to have thousands of wine at the meeting, 
It's not about the number of jars that comes. The number of jars that come that is being filled. So we may have a lot of people in the meeting, but how many of the people are filled up to receive? We have 500,000 people in the meeting of the four night the natural, and perhaps only five are filled up. And that five receive a prophetic word. And that 495 are asking, why did you receive a word? They will not feel that by you are available at the meeting. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You only bring in the jar, it's nothing. You have not obeyed. It's half obedience means it's disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Half obedience is disobedience. So if you bring that jar empty, there will be no multiplication or there will be no water turning into one. Because there is no water inside. The people that will receive results are the people who bring their jar with water flowing inside it. Come on, God, are we getting this? Come on, citizens, are we getting this? Yes. So that jar must be filled with water. Today, what are you filled with? Are you filled with water? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Or are you filled with something else? How will you be able to receive? Oh, one of the other day, scripture said that Jesus told them that I am I'm not leaving you as offers, though I go, I will come back as an Agos for Athletus. Another of my kind will come. But for you to be able to receive me, you will receive me in the next 50 days. Pentecost. You will receive me in the next 50 days. But in the 50 days, for you to be able to receive me, gather yourself at the upper room. Man of God, will you come down a bit for me? He says, gather yourself at the upper room. So you may be a disciple, you may be one that Jesus loves, but on that day, if you don't find yourself at the upper room, you will miss the coming of the Spirit. You will miss that encounter. So you are a disciple, you are a pastor, you are a lamb of God, you are a God's devil, you are a citizen, you are loved by the man of God, but the man of God may not be able to minister to you because you were not at the right place at the right time. So he says, gather yourself at the upper room. And got that together. They were one. They were one. As Jesus has said, they were one in the upper room. If there was any form of division among them, the spirit would have manifested. Though they will be in that same location that Jesus said they should be, there will be no manifestation of the spirit of God. But they were there and they were one. And scripture says, even as they gathered themselves there and they began to pray, there appeared unto them clothing tongues of fire in tongues of fire. They all began to cry out. They all began to blow in tongues. They appeared unto them in tongues of fire. They all began to cry out unto the Father. Because they, they had received the Spirit. Mm. And there must be an evidence of the Spirit. Mm. The evidence of the Holy Spirit that was in them was a fire that came out of them as words. Fire was coming out of them as words. The fire that came upon them began to come out of their mouth like words. Sometimes the words that come out of our mouth are words. Sometimes after I speak, it is fire coming out. It is fire coming out. When we are praying and we say fire, fire, fire. What are we saying? We are speaking fire, but you are seeing words, but then it is being manipulated or changed into fire. Spiritually, you are speaking fire. And you think you are just speaking, but then it is fire that is coming out of your mouth. Fire is coming out of you. Fire is coming out of you. Ah, as they were one in that same location. 15 days after Pentecost, they appeared unto them, clothing tongues of fire. When they entered into the street, they didn't have to tell anybody they've received the Holy Spirit. So who are these people that speak our language? Are these not the Jews? They are not Gentiles. How come they are speaking our language? There was an evidence that they had received the Holy Spirit. That's right. After the four nights beyond the natural. When we go when we go to our workplace, when we go to our business, when we go to our wives and husbands, may they not ask us where are we coming from? May they see the evidence upon us. They will see the evidence and they don't have to ask you where are you coming from this late. When they see you, they'll begin to speak in the language of the spirit. When they see you, they'll begin to see manifestations. When they see, even though they are sick, suddenly they begin they become you. They will say, when I just met you, today I was feeling pain, I couldn't sleep. But when I met you, suddenly my headache has gone. 
Because there is an evidence of the power of God upon our lives. They will ask you, what did you just do to this business? It was not moving. But after you went for this meeting, I can see that the business has changed. There was an evidence. May the Lord give you evidence. Amen. I said, may the Lord give you evidence. Amen. May the Lord give you evidence. Amen. And goodness. They were one. As they obeyed the voice of God in that meeting, what they were expecting came. What we do not obey, what we expect, we will not get it. Let alone for that expectation to be exceeded. Are we here? Bring the jar, fill the jar. I will take it to one. Gather together in one accord, and my fire will come upon you. Obedience. Obedience to every letter. Oh, you know how the midnight cry when we were praying, God began to open our eyes and we began to see. And the Lord says there was somebody that was ironing a cloth. I want the ironing area. There was an electric gadget at God's fault. But that was God saving your life. You did not know. And maybe you were even complaining about it. But that was God's deliverance unto you. And then somebody began to text me on my IG and said, Man of God, it is me. Because where my where I iron my things this morning, that Friday, that morning, the person was going to work and the charger blew. And the person is now covering my car to buy a new charger. But the person did not know it could have been worse. You could have been electrocuted. But God saved you with that small situation. But you are complaining that I have to go buy a new charger for 50 cities, 30 cities, 100 cities. But that was God's deliverance. And so until God gave her the revelation that that was God delivering her from an electrocution, then she was able to give thanks and praise to God. At that moment, she was not thankful because she saw it as a problem rather than God's deliverance. Sometimes there are some things that happen in our life that are supposed to be thankful for, yet we think we cannot be thankful. It is up to you. But tell somebody it could have been worse. It could have been worse. It could have been worse. Uh, we go further. The book of Psalm, chapter 1, 3, 3, verse 2. Scripture says that then it is like oil that flows from the head of Aaron, true to his beard, then to his garment. It is like oil that flows from the head of Aaron. Listen carefully. It flows from the head of Aaron, not the shoulder of Aaron, not the neck of Aaron, the head of Aaron, down to his beard. To the garment, the down part of the garment. So, if we are going to be receiving any kind of oil at the meeting, we must be connected to the head. Listen, if you are not the head that the oil is going to come upon, man of God, if you are not the head that the oil is going to come upon, and you are the neck, make sure you are connected to the head. If you want to receive the oil, if you want to receive an evidence, then you must make sure that you are connected to the head. If you are the hands, you must make sure you are connected to the head. But if you are not connected, if you are not submitting to the head, the oil will flow, but it will never touch you. The healing will come, it will never meet you. The prophetic word will come, it will never get you. The evidence will show, you will never get it. How can it be? Okay, man of God, help us. Somebody who said guest will come 
we say, wow, this church has this thing here. This is expensive. So their appreciation of the things are different from citizens and guests. And so the connection becomes different. And so when the oil is flowing, they are able to receive. The oil is flowing. Before even the four months, the oil is flowing. But are you connected? You see, God is so gracious that He says that it does not only flow from the head to the pier, down to the garment. So even if Usher are sick right now, better. But the only thing is make sure you are connected. Wherever you are, it will meet you so long as you are connected. And so you begin to see my nation. I begin to cite my nation's mind, the diaspora, diaspora nation. I begin to cite their mind. Prepare them for the former build natural. And they said, we want to do a video. And I begin to tell some of them, do a video and invite others. The ones I didn't even tell to do a video are doing videos and they're sending me. What? They are getting connected. And some of them are even telling their friends to begin to do it and get connected. So we also as pastors are beginning to task our members. Are beginning to task our citizens and tell them, tell them, do something for this program. Get connected. Get connected. Get connected. So even though they are online, they will be able to receive. Ah, I always want to share some testimonies, but I can't share them. <laughs> We thank you, Jesus. Ah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Get connected. Because the oil is already flowing. I say the oil is already flowing. But you must be connected. You must be connected. You must be connected. Are you connected? Are you connected? Are you connected? Ah, let me share this thing with you. There was a complication yesterday. A serious case. And the man said, I don't want this thing to happen. Then he called me. I said, bro, this is what is going on. I need you. Can we pray? I said, okay, let us pray. Then there and there, I called our other brother. I connected him. Let us pray. Ah, tenele getele kapaya. Then the guy also connected his wife. Then the wife is screaming, Eradiginio, Eradiginio, Eradiginio. We are not distracted by the noise. We are praying. And then the man, the other brother of mine said, You shall pray for us. Hallelujah. Then I begin to declare in that conference call. And we say it is done. Sleeping about one hour, 30 minutes after. Then the other brother called me, Bishop, it is done. The woman is free, the baby is free, everybody is free, nothing has happened, even as the doctors have said, but nothing happened like that. They are all free. This person is my brother. This person is even older than me in age. <laughs> but when it was getting to that moment, he understood who I am. The other brother of mine also is older than me. But they all know who Bishop is. Who that friend is? So there's sometimes we can be discussing, they can shut me out, they can laugh at me. But when it gets to the spiritual aspect, they give me that momentum, they give me that head on or heads up. You at any point, just like Mary, it is my father. At a different point, he is my son. You at every time you want us to be your friend. How can you receive? These people are connected via phone and God delivered someone from death. Contrary to all that the doctors were saying. Why? Because they were well connected. You don't know what I'm saying. You don't know what I'm saying. Their wife is on the phone. This is an away who is beginning to speak to you in that you should understand the gravity of the issue. But an airway in that moment did not speak airway, began to speak to you. What is the evidence of our faith? What is the evidence of our faith? One another evidence of our faith is that we get connected. When the oil is flowing, we get connected. If the tap is here, 
You can't expect to come here and come and fetch the water. The tap is flowing here. What are you going to do here? The tap is not here. The water is coming out of this place. You say you put your barrel in, you still get the water. How? Prophet, what are you going to say? Yeah. How are you connected to the oil? And if one night you're natural, they will say workers must come on time. Workers must come early. And you decide to come at the time you want. Yeah. Start the meeting at nine. Then you start at ten. Mola. But see, God wants to do something in the life of somebody at every moment. Remember the obedience of the guy who took the five loaves of bread and the two fishes fed 5,000 people. At the time that he was going for the meeting, he thought he was going to only eat it himself. Let alone for him to know that he was going to feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fishes. You are coming to the meeting with your mind that you are going to sow a thousand cities, two thousand cities, hundred dollars or maybe ten dollars or something. But what you have plotted in your mind and known to you, God was going to use it to save lives. And you thought you were just giving offering. But that offering is a lifesaver. That hat you have prepared for that meeting, that clothing you are sewing for that meeting, you thought you were just sewing clothing for the meeting to look nice. But it is what is going to make the Lord notice you. Clothes are important, especially clothes of colors. For Joseph was given a garment of many colors. David knew what he had so. Even when it came to the priest, God told them, wear purple. And upon the purple, placed upon the head rest, the, the, chest, the chest rest, there must be colors and some inscriptions. God doesn't play with colors. God is so concerned about what you wear. To a time when it came, when scripture told them that the Lord was telling the people of the Levites to wear undergarments. This dress, underwear, it was God that told the Levite to begin to wear it. Those days they were not wearing it. It was God that told the Levite to begin to wear it. It is white linen. They began to wear it under their clothing. It was an instruction from God. And that's how come all of us are wearing something today. Do we understand? And so, if God is so much concerned about the undergarment of the Levite, do you think God is not concerned about it? Who about that you are not concerned? You are holding something that is strong, you are not concerned. You are going to the king, you are not concerned. You are worshipping the king, and you are there. Will you go to the king of the Asante region, and then just go to the kingdom, and just go there without laying posture? Even the presence is bowing down. You know about that. And you go to such a man and give him all these accolades and all these reverence. And yet you come to the king of kings. And when you're supposed to kneel down and bow down to the father, you say your knee is paining him. You say your shoulder is paining him. But yet when you go to the truth and do that, you don't care whatever pain is. Are you here with me? Are you here with me? And so at the front lines, even as we bow down to the father, let us bow down. As we are leading the song and God says, remove your shoe, remove your shoe. If God says, kneel down, kneel down. If God says, shout, shout. It doesn't matter whoever is looking at you. What matters is we are obeying the Father. And what God wants to do in that meeting, we will begin to see. Maybe someone is having a chronic disease within them. And God says, remove your shoe. Maybe not for you. But the moment you remove yours, the person also begins to feel like, let me also remove mine. And that God wanted to give an instruction to the person to remove their shoe, step on the soil, and receive deliverance. But the person got hearing, so God has to use you. When you remove your shoe, you begin to feel like remove their shoe. And when you remove it, healing takes place. And they said, and they said, when you were ministering, when you were ministering, this pain within me, it came out of me. You may not know it is it happened when you remove the shoe, but it was when you obeyed God and you removed the shoe. Not when you lay hands on when you remove the shoe. So we must obey. We must obey. At any instance, we must obey. We, 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 we must have excellence in the meeting to be able to attract the move of God. For God was in this place and we knew it not. May it not be our story. As we are inviting guests, 
as we are feeling just out, you also invite somebody. You also fill someone up for the program. And just by the obedience of inviting somebody, your prayer, maybe at the program, will not even matter. Like the invitation you are giving to somebody. Uh, you see? Obedience to instructions. Sometimes what you give that miracle is the fact that you will just invite somebody. But you are waiting to pray at the meeting. You are waiting to worship at the meeting. You are waiting for prophetic word at the meeting. When your result is going to only come by you talking to somebody. But I say, I don't have friends. Who am I even going to talk to? I don't know anybody. No, you know somebody. If you don't know anybody, why do you post on your status? You are posting for somebody to see. Why do you have the phone? Because you have contacts on it. If you don't put the phone aside. You have about a thousand people in your contact and you see have no friend that you can invite. You have not even one person you can invite for the program. You are giving God a service. You know, let me tell you this thing. When God wanted to make Saul a king, Saul made, God made sure that there were going to be cattles in the house of Kish that were going to get missing. Sometimes, what God is going to cause you to bring a particular miracle into your life, to bring you onto a particular throne, is to allow some things to be missing in your life. Is to allow some things to go wrong. Sometimes before you receive that big job, you, your job has to be spot first. Are you here? <laughs> Sometimes for you to receive that miracle in that meeting, you will get sick. Before the program, you will get sick. And to look like you cannot make it. God wanted to make Saul a king. And God did not just call Saul to come forth to become a king. God made sure that there were animals that went missing in the house of Kish. And Kish did not send anybody. He could have sent a servant. But Kish sent Saul. And Saul also went with a servant. They were looking for these animals. They could not find them. They were tired. They wanted to return back. And the servant said, There was an impression upon the servant, just like the boy from his house. He had an impression upon his heart to come in five minutes. The servant had an impression upon his heart. Why don't we go to this, that prophet somewhere? Maybe he may tell us where the animals are. For every word that comes out of someone comes to pass. Let us go to someone. But guess what? So, so God wanted to make you king. You are saying we don't have money. We are giving excuse. We don't have money. The servant said, we have something to say. Oh, I this small. So let us still go. That obedience of Saul. Scripture says, when Saul got into the house of Samuel, then he acknowledged Samuel as his head. And as he was connected, Scripture says, and then Saul, Saul was placed at a high place in the house of Samuel. It didn't end there. On the day he was supposed to leave, Scripture says, and Samuel anointed Saul and said unto Saul, for you to see the evidence of this anointing and for my words, as you go on the way, people will begin to salute you that have meals, they have food in their hands, they will begin to salute you. And even as you pray, not only will they salute you, when you even get the Scripture says that, you will meet some prophet, you will meet some prophet, and in their company you will begin to prophesy. And scripture says, even as Saul was journeying to the house back to the house of Kish with the animals, saying that the animals have already been found. Scripture says, and then when Saul was going, he met the people, and the people were holding their food. And they were saluting Saul. Without Saul saying anywhere, they were saluting Saul. They were greeting Saul. Saul said, Yes, the man of God said this when he was pointing the oil upon me. This is an evidence. It is ended. When he went further, scripture said, he met the prophets. He met the prophet and in the company of the prophet scripture says Paul began to say hey, your name is divine you are wearing a brown shoe I see in your house this and this and this God is going to lift you up this year and Saul who is a king began to prophesy and that was an evidence that was an evidence of the oil of Samuel poured upon his head his head his head his head it was flowing and there was an evidence of the oil there is an oil upon my head there is an oil upon your head and it is flowing onto everybody in the name of Jesus I said there is oil upon our head and it is flowing onto everybody in the name of Jesus do you know you not end there scripture says when Saul got to the town among his colleagues the same people he was playing with the people began to observe that he was shoulder and head taller than them all. Physically, physically, not only spiritually, physically, then he was shoulder and head taller. Suddenly, Saul had become tall. Because of the anointing. 
Anointing that you know. And it is a light beyond the natural. They began to salute him. They gave him that reverence without even knowing him. They greeted him without even him speaking. And then in the midst of the prophet, he began to prophesy. As the prophets gathered at the four nights, may the oil come upon him. If Saul did not obey the impression the servant had, he may not have become king. Let them know a king who can prophesy. Sometimes what God is seeking to give you at such a meeting is not a prophecy, but a prophetic grace. So look beyond just receiving a word. Become the word that comes forth. Man of God, you didn't prophesy to me. But I gave you the gift of prophecy. Which one is better? A prophecy or a gift of prophecy? Jesus said, which one is easy? Get up the word or your sins are forgiven you. Which one is better? That you receive a prophetic word or you receive the prophecy itself as a gift upon you. Which one is better? So once other people are crying for a word, what is saying? My people, I'm calling out evangelists, I'm calling out prophetess, I'm calling out pastors, I'm calling out teachers, I'm calling out prophets. And you are asking for a word, I'm giving you something bigger than that. Can you not see it? You are asking for a word. When already I'm making you a king. Someone said, What you're already looking for has already been found. The job you are seeking for has already been given to you. But God wants to give you something else. (laughs) So your expectation is to get a job. Because I've already given you the job. What I want to give you is a different thing. You need healing because I've already given you the healing. What I'm often going to give you is the gift of healing. What do you need? What is your expectation? Saul was looking for donkeys, so he was looking for cactus, animals. And a throne he was not looking for came onto him. He went to sit upon the throne. A gift he was not looking for came onto him by the oil. Get connected, though. Get connected. How obedient are you? Imagine if Saul did not obey the servant. Imagine. Will he have even met someone with the excuses he's giving? I don't have money. If you're going to see the prophet, you must want money. Excuses. Jamfality. It is good excuse. Because in the old days, they cannot see a prophet without money or without a substance. It's a good excuse. But is it an enough excuse not to make it to the prophet's feet? Remember the other day, in the book of 1st Kings, chapter 17, scripture says, Elijah came to meet a widow. And the widow said, What we are left with is a meal or a flour and some oil for my son and I to eat and for us to die. 1st Kings, chapter 17. Verse 14 downwards, scripture began to tell the widow. Elijah said to the widow, Bring me that thing. And after you brought it, go and look for jars. Go and look for vessels. Another one again. Go and look for vessels. This empty vessel, this is not finished. Let the vessels be empty. Make sure that uncleanness is out of you before you make it for the program to be seen. Make sure you pay the debt of love before you come for the program to be seen. Are you here with me? Just go look for empty vessels. Go for them. Ah, me. This is the last thing I'm going to eat. There is no food in the house. I should go and borrow. Then someone says, yes, go and borrow. This time not for you to eat, but for a better cause. For a better cause. And he said, bring it. When she brought it, which what was that? What we focused on mostly, the fact that he multiplied the oil. It was not only the oil one of God. He multiplied the food in the house. And he said that food will never go back. Until the next rain falls. Check the chapter, uh, chapter 17, the verse 14. First Kings chapter 17, verse 14. When the Elijah began to speak to him, he, he said to, to her, he said that the meal will not go waste, it will not go bad. 
and the oil will never fail until the next rain. And in that time, if in that time Elijah was declaring that there will be no rainfall in the next three and a half years. So, in other words, because there's no good, maybe there's no going to be rain for three and a half years, you are going to have food in the house supernaturally. You are going to have oil in the house supernaturally in this barrel for three and a half years. The oil will not fail. The only thing that will cause the oil to fail is when there is rain. So, so long as you don't see rain, the oil will keep multiplying. Your duty is to bring me dust. Just bring me dust and I will multiply the oil. What are you saying? Bring me dust, bring me salt, and I will multiply the oil. Who will see baby? Who will go by? Ah, no, 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 no. There is time for prayer. You are worshiping. There is time for it. You are sowing seeds. There is time for it. This time, bring me dust. Bring me dust. And I will multiply your oil. What got me angry as I was studying this particular scripture is not the fact that the food not go waste or the oil was multiplied. Scripture says in the verse 15, as the oil was being multiplied and the food was being multiplied in the house, the woman, the widow, ate the food and used the oil with his house, with her household. You are not getting the revelation. Are you serious? You, you don't have money. You are a widow. Because of my wife's here, rich wives. You are rich wives, so No, 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 no. This is what the woman was doing. Because there was no man in her life, she was about to die with a child. Saying that it was only left with the last meal and the last oil. When the man of God came to multiply the oil, all she was thinking about is to eat. Not to do business. You see, in the maybe in the next three, three and a half years, you will keep having multiplication of oil in the house. And I won't do who said, okay, in the next three and a half years, I can sell this oil, I can do business with this oil, and save up money that after the rain comes down, I can do more business or do other businesses. One jail. After three and a half years, then you sold to Now oil in Jaya. Or some call. I won't train with you. No, I will. Do you get it? Do you get it? So now it, it renders the, the miracle that was done waste for it, it was it is only valid for three and a half years. No. The miracle was supposed to stay longer. But the oil that is being poured upon your head will determine how you multiply what has been given to you. The abundance of the oil in the house is dependent on the number of jars the woman got. If the woman went to every house and bought every every jar from the house she's going to get more oil if she only went to her neighbors she would get few oil and it's not the problem of the prophet elijah it's the problem of the woman the number of jars she brought the number of how many jars are you bringing how many souls are you bringing how what sin are you sowing? what prayer are you praying you're saying you're one night you're born by five hours out there one bring two hours washroom how much washroom this one they will also come against all and like to give me some time to escape prayer. No, no. You may not know when Jesus is coming. The five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins, they did not know when the bridegroom is coming. When they went to go and buy oil, when they were supposed to take oil from the house, impressions from the heart. These women had an impression to carry more oil, extra oil in the lamp. The other ones did not obey their impression. From your house, God will begin to speak to you. Even as we join hands online, 15. On Instagram or maybe on Facebook or maybe on YouTube, wherever we are connected. You must get ready with your book down. Get ready. Your heart prepared. You must get ready. When you say 7 p.m., 15 online, make yourself available. No, 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 no. It's a meeting to be concentrated with the word. You will see the phone in front of you, and it will be as though we are there with you. It will be as though Jesus is there with you. And you are glued to receive. And after you have received, what you do with the oil you receive is important. 
what you do with the evidence you receive is important. After the woman received, she went to only eat with the family. Three and a half years, she become poor again. That is why some people, I'm coming out of God, just permit it. Some people come for meeting. After receiving the prophetic word, they receive the energy, they seem to go and do something for God. Five hours later, when they sleep and they wake up, they're not doing it again. They think they told God, like the first time they told God, I'm going to do this. The oil has come, I'm going to do this. January ended and said, Oh, yeah. Yes, like a woman. She went back after the multiplication to go and eat with all their family members. Don't be like that one. When you receive the oil from this meeting, go and broadcast the message. Go and invite somebody. Go and fill somebody up with a program. Go and fill somebody up with Christ. Fill somebody up with the Holy Spirit. Fill somebody up. Fill somebody up. Go and fill that business up. Fill up that marriage. Fill up that school. Fill up that family. Fill them up. That that water will be taken to one. One of God. Thank you very much. I think just even as we are approaching the front lines of the natural, the oil will come. The evidences will come. So it shouldn't just be as passive, just a little time. It should be able to push it to opportunity. In the sense that our generations, the first generation should benefit, the second generation should benefit, the third generation should as well And also, as I was also discussing with Pastor Peter, Mostly when you read the Bible, you get to know that mostly the third generation is the killer generation. Whereby this generation, mostly when there is even a seed planted, this generation tends to spoil it. In the sense that maybe the first generation did it. The second generation may see how the first generation did it. So they knew, like they know how it was created, but the third, they didn't see anything. So they are again another one you have to come by. So they will come and destroy it. But we are praying for the grace. Oh, that if it comes, the oil comes upon our heads. It will run two generations. Amen. It will run two generations. Amen. I'm telling you, Arabic. The oil we are going to be receiving, or we are already receiving, it's not only for ourselves, for four generations. But there must be a partnership. There must be something you must do for it to run through your generations. Are we okay? There is something you must do. For the oil to run through the generation. If we do not partner and do what we must do by obedience, whatever oil we are receiving will not move to our next generation. We will waste it. There are many oils we have wasted. Many oils we have wasted. But let us not waste our oil. Amen. From now onwards, the oil, let us not waste it. The oil that came upon you on the first night, don't waste it. Don't waste it. The oil of unquestionable evidence, don't waste it. Put it to use. Don't waste that business. Don't waste that family. Don't waste that ministry. Don't waste that department. Put it to use. Let fire come in that department. Let us know that your department has met fire. Ah. Uh, there must be a notice that this very department is doing something different. We, we, we must see the notice. We must see it. Because if the devil is battling with you, if the devil is sitting in left, right, center, we will see it. And so therefore, if God is blessing you also, we must see it. We must see the evidence. You can see somebody and you will see the evidence of the devil's hand in their life. Another person, you will see the evidence of God's hand in their life. Whose hand is your life? What evidence are you receiving? How are you obeying to receive evidence? Oh. One of God to conclude. The other day, scripture says in the book of Genesis, that there was a man called Abraham. That a word came unto him that Abraham will sacrifice unto me your son, your beloved son, your son of promise, Isaac. Take him to the mountain and sacrifice him. Abraham did not sit Isaac down to explain to Isaac why the sacrifice must go on. Abraham did not try to debate with God. Abraham did not try to make God understand why he cannot sacrifice his son. Abraham understood that it was God that gave me him. So if God is giving, is taking Isaac back according to his word, then he can give me much more better than Isaac. Ah. So, when there is faith, there is no debate. When there is faith, there is no obedience. Tell your neighbor, when there is faith, 
there is no debate. When there is faith, there is obedience. That is it. I'm not yet going to debate. When Abraham sent Isaac to the mountain to sacrifice him, then appeared a lamp. The Lord says, Now I have seen your heart, Abraham. You are a faithful man. Take up this lamp and sacrifice in the place of Isaac. Now, your sins shall fall upon the earth and multiply. And that's how come you and I can be called the seed of Abraham. We are called seeds of Abraham because of that action. Faith without works is dead. Your faith must have work. If you say you have faith, we must see in obedience. That is why, man of God, when people come, or even the ministry, they begin to tell us how that bishop, when he hears, he does it. When he hears, he does it. Even my wife will be ministry, she will tell you that I, I, when I hear, I do it. She doesn't know how I do it. But suddenly, we see results. When the men of God came for the Pentecost, and they were seated with you, and they were discussing the panel discussion, one of the things they were making mention of is that I am a man of faith. Not only that I'm a man of faith, what they are not saying is that I'm a man of obedience. That is it. When they say you are a man of faith, it means you are a man of obedience. So you may not care whoever is there. If God speaks, you will do it. That is obedience. They will just see faith, but you don't see obedience. So not everything is attributed to faith. Sometimes what you do is because of your obedience. That shows us you have faith. You are sitting in a meeting, God says, give 2,000 cities. You begin to debate and consider your bank account. No, no, no. It doesn't count anymore. It doesn't count anymore. You are beginning to stay. Okay. God says, give me some amount of money. Make them of you. If it's 50 cities, that's your last money. And God, you had God. It was impressed upon your heart to give that 50 cities. Let me tell you, you should give it. What can happen by that obedience? In that same meeting, before you even leave a meeting, you receive a call. You receive a transaction that maybe you never even thought of. Somebody in the meeting said, Let me even bless you with this. You may never know. But you will not be able to receive that miracle that was awaiting because you did not obey. But you just have to obey. When God says, Do that, when you're coming from home, you will be meeting with it. You, you are fighting with God inside you. Yeah. That is a proof of you not having faith. You say you have faith in God. Then obey Him. It is difficult to obey, but obey. You think it's easy to obey? It's not easy. If it's easy, then everybody can obey. If it's easy, then everybody can obey. But it's not easy. That is why He's able to see those that are faithful to Him. By this little, little test. The other day, Scripture says there was a man who was full of sickness upon his body. And Jesus told the man, because the man was free, Jesus told the man, go and dip yourself into the river Jordan. And when you come out, you will be cleansed. The man says, I did not have that better reverse out there. He, he is debating the word. He, 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 he thinks he knows. Look at me, Jesus. There are other better river out there. I can go inside and see the healing. Must it be Jordan? Must it be river Jordan? Must it be I am finished like I am the blessed? Must it be I am? Must it be this department? Must I come and come and teach? Oh. God says yes, we are Jordan. We are Jordan is smelling, but it's with Jordan. We are Jordan is not big, but it's with Jordan. That is where most uh, John the Baptist ministry blew. That is the same place Jesus was being baptized, and the Holy Spirit came down upon him. By you. Me that I want there for the Holy Spirit to come upon me. You, you have sickness. I say, come and enter there. You begin to say, you won't go because it's dead. Uh, who are you? Jordan is the place God has brought us to. He may be smelling. He may be in the bush. He may be in the place that is no good. But God said, is where I will bless you for. It is upon that rubbish, rubbish dump that I will call you out and bless you. It's upon that same place. That people go and don't receive miracles. It's the same place I will send you to go and you receive miracles. You know, the people, the people that were, were, were in Egypt, alright, they were in Egypt. There was a way out of Egypt. There was a way leading from different towns to Egypt and leading from Egypt to different towns. But the Egyptians never got out of Egypt until Moses appeared. 
And that same road that was there for them to come out of, they never came out of. When Moses appeared, and when they followed him, that same road they were able to use it. That same thing you are not able to succeed in. As the oil comes upon us, you will use that same road and you will come out of it. I said, you will use that same road and you come out of it. That same business will be multiplied. That same marriage will grow. That your life will become more better. I said, it will become more better. It will become more better. It will become more better. What is the weakness of our people? Or the happiness of it? Man of God, if I have faith, how do you say I have faith? With the evidence of my business. You know, when I was with Pastor Peter, we were going around with this man of God. And we were going to speak to the man of God to speak to the man of God about the program and all that. The man of God said something. He says, I don't know why, but I'm convicted about the ministry. And you are the first man of God that I am accepting your invitation this fast. He says, these are invitations. These are invitations from other men of God that I've never gone to. These are invitations from big men that I've never gone to. But you, there is something about you. Yeah. 